what I learned was, okay, if you've got experience in one area and you want to start a second business, start a business or be involved in a business that is either serving the same customer or it's exactly the same business model just in you know, a different industry or a different customer, or it's the same, you know, same type of business. Everyone has the opportunity to design the life that they want. And if you're finding yourself often fantasizing about, oh, I, you know, if I'd started differently, I would have done this, or I wish I was doing that, or I wish I had this, di- this other different business, really reflect on that and ask, well, you know, why aren't you doing that now? Is there something that you are saying to yourself that does not give you permission to do that now? I know that with the journey I've been through that I can survive and thrive in any situation, right? I've become bulletproof. And it doesn't mean that I still don't get hurt. It just means that I can instantly be like Superman and walk through and just I'm good in this moment. And um, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I think is, is super important. And then your business can collapse on you. You can start again from scratch. You can have a big divorce. You can lose your limbs. You can have all sorts of things happen to you that would be horrible. And if you can truly practice those types of uh, living and being, you, people will look at you with just disbelief of like how you haven't meltdown and you'll just take it in your stride. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. So great to have you here. My name is Peter Moriarty, and I am joined by my co-host, Carl Taylor. We have a great episode today. We are going to be sharing what we would do if we had to start again from zero. And I got to say, this has actually always been a fantasy of mine, Carl. You fantasize about starting again from zero? I fantasize about starting again. I think there's something about a, a longing for the ego death process of stripping away everything back to zero like a newborn and starting from scratch. And, I, and I've literally fantasized and, you know, I've had this as a recurring fantasy I fantasized about, you know, getting the business to a certain point, like in some part of the fantasy is like put all the money in a vault and then disappear to India. Or sometimes it's like, no, 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 actually go to zero and then disappear to India, but then, you know, emerge. Is the fantasy starting again or is the fantasy losing everything? Oh, that's a powerful one, Carl. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's that's very interesting. It, it might be, um, you know, like maybe it's part of like a fear response or a trigger response. Uh, and knowing me, it's probably like, uh, you know, being scared of losing control. You know, the fantasy is the fear, which is losing everything. See, I thought, see, it's interesting. I've never, I've, I can't say I've fantasized about this. I, I've had previously fears around this. I, I can see numerous times in my business journey, uh, even in recent years, where I would get stressed out and freak out about decisions that I was pondering about directions and what should I do here and there in the business. And it came from the idea that I could make a wrong decision, that I would make a decision that would mean that I screwed up the business and it failed miserably and all went back down, crashing down. And so it was definitely not been a, f- a fantasy of mine, it had been more a fear. And it was only in more recent times that I kind of pondered, okay, well, if that happened, what would I do? And to start to realize that, you know what, I'm in a pretty great situation in terms of family, in terms of living in Australia with the various safety nets, that it is pretty hard to go completely 
uh, at least from my experience, when I think about this thought experiment, it'd be pretty hard for me to be so down on my luck. So I've thought about starting again a few times from that frame of reference, not from a, wow, how cool would that be? More of a like, if I do something and I screw this whole thing up, I'm okay because I know exactly what I would do to start again. It's funny, like I've always had the same philosophy and I guess that's, uh, you know, from where we've come from and the businesses that we've built, you know, in our life journey, like we both started businesses when we were in our late teens, you know, that was always my philosophy. It was always, hey, if something goes wrong with this business, like I can move back to mom and dad's, I can start from scratch again. And I can charge 20 bucks an hour like I did when I was 15 to, to fix people's computers again. And, and I'm going to be good. And, you know, I guess I've just never given that up. Um, why I'm so, so for young people starting businesses. Uh, you know, many business owners go and have a corporate career or they finish the university or they, you know, they build their skill first and then go and work in an industry, which is not a bad thing. That's, you know, just another avenue. Uh, but then start a business in maybe their early or their mid 30s. And by then, maybe they have a mortgage or at least they have stuff and assets. Maybe they even have a family and they have a very different appetite to risk. It's not yeah. a good thing or a bad thing. Just different. Just, just is. Yeah. But I'm 20 year, super 20 year olds that start. Yeah, totally. Right. The 20 year olds that start, they're just like, I don't care if this thing falls over. I'm going to give this thing a crack because I can always have another go at it. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's totally that's totally where it's at. I mean, I've spoken to numerous people in their 30s and 40s who have thought about going out on their own. And it is, it is that like, oh, but what's the security of it all? And they've got families and there's a lot more at risk. And, you know, we, we should acknowledge that, Pete, that even today with what we're going to share with you, we yet in our lives, we're not married. We don't have kids. You know, we don't have mortgages that we're paying. We have set up our lives in a certain way that have allowed us to still have a certain level of risk appetite, I guess. I believe that and I agree with you 100%. And also, I, at heart, I am a minimalist. I believe in minimalist principles. And even if I had kids and had, you know, built more assets and more stuff in my life, I still like the idea that if I lost everything, that I could sleep in a van by the beach and be okay. You know, I, I like to think I've done a pretty good job at removing my attachment to material possessions and things. Now, put me in that actual situation. Of course, it's going to be traumatic, right? I get that. But it's it's kind of scary to see marriages, partnerships break down when someone goes through financial stress. And I know it's not because of the finances. It's because of the stress that is caused because of the financial situation. I really would like to think, you know, on, a, on like a spiritual and, and energetic and on a human level, that even if you actually went to zero or you felt like you went to zero, that doesn't have to mean the collapse of your life and your friend structures and your family structures. I would like to think that it would actually strengthen them, you know, you, you would, yeah. because I think, at least in my experience, like often when things are going well, you don't maybe lead on, lean on your network as much as you could, you know, you mm -hmm. don't reach out to friends. Whereas when something happens, that's when often you find out who your true friends are, the ones that will make time for you and who will do anything, bend over backwards to help you. And I think that's when you also let go of the ego to be like, you know what, I need some help. Yeah. So, we're getting a little distracted. I think we should get back to what we would do, but it is an important point. So, let, let's talk about what we would do if we were starting again. Yeah. So, I've got a couple of pre-questions. Go for it. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of like what we would do. So, that, so we're imagining a scenario and to the listener, I want you to imagine the scenario and go along for the journey with us. You know, you, you get to zero somehow and you're not in negative numbers, like, you know, you're not like bankrupt or barred from running companies or anything like that. You just, you get to zero. 
you know, talking about here is like, where do you go from there? So I'm curious, Carl, you're at zero. Would you acquire a business or would you start a business? If I was at zero, I would likely start a business. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting because what I would be looking to do is bring in cash flow as quickly as possible. Now, I know that acquiring a business can do that, but if I'm literally at zero and I'm needing to feed myself, make sure I can actually start living, well, I'm going to need some sort of cash flow while I might look for a business deal to acquire, right? Now, it's that desperation. I think we talked about it in previous episodes when we talked about acquiring businesses. If I was in a situation where I was in so much desperation that I would just take any old deal that came along, then I'm probably not going to make a smart decision with that acquisition. So while I do believe in the value and the benefits of buying a business, if I was back at zero, that is not the first thing I would be going to do. I would be looking at cash flow. Now, that might be through becoming an Uber driver. But I'd probably also, if I did that, I would go and start some sort of a consulting business. I would go back to my early days and go, cool, I have knowledge and skill. What can I offer and who, what can, who will pay me some money for that and bring in some cash flow? I wonder if there would be, in some way you've failed to get to zero, <laughs> would you have shame around then going and being a, a consultant? I can't say because I'm not there. Because I don't think I, I don't think I would do it. Like if I, if I, if I had business collapse or my life collapse or whatever, uh, I, I don't think I would be able to get past the shame to then say, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how to do things now." Who says that what I would do is consulting on business? I didn't actually ever say that. That's a That's presupposition a on your part. I might consult on gardening. <laughs> well, not consulting. I, I just might like offer done for you something that I have skills in. I could go. I'm not a good programmer anymore, but I could go back to off. You know, I could teach people like you know retirees how to use an iPhone or something. You know, I could. I, I have speaking and presentation skills. I could get on stage and start running. You know personal development seminars or, you know, trainings on, trainings on various different things that I have knowledge in. But to that point, there would you're right, there would probably be some stuff I'd have to work through around self-belief issues, self-worth, that, that would come up. And I'm just very fortunate that I have over the last 18 years, I've learned the skills to be able to work with that. And so, I'm putting the faith in myself that I would wallow and despair for a little while and then I would use those skills to be able to work through that myself and um, get past that to know that, hey, just because something went wrong, because I don't know about you, Pete, but for me, I actually don't trust a consultant or a business coach who has not fucked up in some way, right? They have not, like if someone tells me that this is their first business or they, all their businesses went amazingly well, then I'm calling bullshit on it. Either they're, either they're lying or they haven't actually been in business long enough to have some failures so there's no lessons to share. Like all they're doing is reading from a book and telling me here's how to do it from a theoretical standpoint, not from an actual. So on the flip side, I would take my own advice. If I came to, if I came to me and said, you know what, I've just lost everything but I've been in business 18 years. I've done all these things. I've made success. I've had failures and I've just had a really big failure. And you know what? I can see in your business, you're heading in the same direction that I was. How about you pay me 30 grand and I'll come and help you avoid the mistakes that I made? That's a good pitch. I might, I might just buy that. Okay. So you made your 30 <laughs> grand. You've got your cash flow. What do you do next? Um, like what's, what does your first 12 months look like? starting from scratch. My first 12 months would be starting, like as I'm getting cash flow coming in, I would start formulating and looking for opportunities, problems that I could solve, right? Like that's what a business is, right? It's problems you solve. So I would, I would be looking around going, okay, yes, I've solved this particular problem for that. I would start asking myself, is there a business in this? 
Because I wouldn't look at going, I offered this service to that one business or a couple of businesses. I wouldn't be going, this is my whole long-term business. I wouldn't go, this is my career for the rest of my life. This is a, I'm offering, I'm swapping time for money. That's all it is. It's my version of a job. I'm swapping time for money, knowledge and skill for money. And I'm then looking, just like I did with automation agency, actually, I'm then looking at where are the opportunities here? Where are the bigger problems to create a more product-based offering. I personally prefer products. Um, well, I've, I've fantasized about products and I know you have too, but I, all my businesses, bar the gift basket business, have basically been service businesses. And so, I personally feel that I think the sweet spot for me is productized service businesses. Service business, I understand, and bring in some of the elements of products. So, what I'd be looking at is going, okay, where are the problems in the market? Who can I help? Who's got problems that I can solve? And where is a productized service offering opportunity? And that would include me creating something, but it would also include me looking at what else might be out there for sale that might be able to, maybe it's currently a service business or a product business. And I could see that if I bought that, I could turn it into a productized service business. So I wouldn't completely go, hey, yes, this is me starting. I would consider buying. Uh, obviously, if the terms of the deal would work, either with the cash I have or or a $1 buy-in. The big thing for me is I would also be building my team. I've learned now after after someone who started, you know, just like you started the business completely alone and I've done the solo business, I would be building a team of people around me. Now, luckily, I'm assuming that if I had to start from zero, I can leverage on existing relationships I have. And so, that's also the fortunate thing for me now is I would go, okay, well, old staff, I'd be reaching out to them. Some of my key players that have been, I've got great relationships with. I'd also leverage, you know, platforms like Upwork and and uh, Freelancer and things to look for third parties that might be on an as needed basis to add to my team. I'd be looking to build my support network around me of the different skills that would come in handy as I grew the business. So that's what I'd be doing. What about you, Pete? What would you? Same questions back at you. Would you start or would you acquire? I think I'd be more likely to acquire. Talk me through that. I've done the starting a business and I've started lots of side businesses and I've helped friends start businesses and I'm kind of a bit over it. The setting stuff up and standing stuff up is probably a bit less exciting for me now. Even though I can do it, I've got the skill. I think as like I've matured and even how I approach things like investments now, I'm less about the creating and this comes to wealth dynamics, right? I'm less about the creating and more about the the mechanic. So I think I'd probably, you know, if I was to, you know, create a fantasy illustration of what I do, I think I'd bum around and, you know, look at different businesses, look at their books, inspect them, you know, learn about them, learn about the founders, and then look for opportunities where I can provide value or create value. And what would you do to to feed yourself in that that period of time? I'll sleep on a mate's couch or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know if, you know, no matter what ego death I had been through, I don't know if I could bring myself to work for, you know, for money by the hour. I just don't know if I could do it. And I think it's because I've been so deep for so like over a decade now into create the process and then delegate the process. And that speaks a lot about how I work now. If I have to do something more than once, I want to I want to shoot myself in the face like it's it's too it's too much. I know exactly what you're talking about. And you said something interesting me uh, you know to me the other day which was you were just constantly in the mode of who can do this not how do I do this or or you know or, or what is to be done. And you know the way that you shared it was that you were you know almost allergic to doing things yourself just has to be delegated. 
And I think I enjoy doing something once because I enjoy working it out. Mm. Uh, like I enjoy that's maybe a bit of creation is creating that first process. But then I'm like, nah, I'm I'm done. So you know, like I could do one consulting session, and then the second consulting session, I'd be like, nah, I'm over this. So I think what would be more likely would be me researching, seeking, and then looking for opportunities for value creation that I can then go and do. And we were chatting before we started this episode, you know, would it be service or would it be product? And I think like the grass is always greener. I don't think I'd start another managed service products, IT services business only because I would want variety. Like, you know, why start exactly the same thing? But if I was to start something different, I think what I would look at is in what ways can I be valuable in an industry where I can have some kind of strategic advantage? But also alongside that, I learned from speaker, his name is Craig West, not to go into a completely new business model or a completely new industry. What I learned was, okay, if you've got experience in one area and you want to start a second business, start a business or be involved in a business that is either serving the same customer or it's exactly the same business model, just in you know, different industry or a different customer, or it's the same, you know, same type of business, but not to try and do too many things that are new. Because if you're in a new industry and a new business model serving new customers, you're, you're basically, basically going to have no idea. Scratch. You're going to have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. And, and like, it's really hard to go and be, you know, an Elon Musk going into a brand new industry, unless like he happens to be an engineer, right? So he actually has a background. Uh, yeah, sure. He hasn't, you know, started and built a, a vehicle manufacturing business before, but he does at least have the some background to be able to execute that. There are some levels of competency. He also has the hunger to like throw himself into the books and learn as much as he could around that. And his engineering background helps with that. So it's a great point. So I think that's what I'd be looking for. You know, what industry would it be in? I'm not sure. I guess I'm interested in my, you know, my personal goals now and I'm coming from a place of being comfortable with my income having ticked off my uh, my goals on earning and uh, most of my asset goals uh, but at least absolutely big tick in the lifestyle goals box for me I'm now saying well if I was to start another business like would it be in tech I'm not sure you know it might be around spirituality or growth or uh, you know, raising the vibrational consciousness of humanity. It's so cliche and woo-woo, but I, I love that stuff because that's kind of the personal journey uh, and the space that I'm in at the moment. So, but I think it comes down to my own personal values. My own personal values are where can I be useful? Mm. And that's just so healthy for someone's psychology. Where can you be useful? That's what we ever do. That's, how, that's why we don't, you know, go crazy just like, you know, running around without our clothes on, having sex and, and eating and doing nothing else. Like, you know, we, we have to have something that we feel is meaningful for our life and doing work that feels meaningful is very, very healthy for you. I love that. I love that. And, and I love that, like, it may come across that what we said was very different. You would acquire, I would start. But from my perspective, you just said exactly what I would do with just a slightly different mechanic of, you again, with your long game of liking to stay patient, but you're willing to sit around and wait for that great opportunity to come your way. Whereas I would go, okay, I get past my, my ego problems. Like, I, you're right. I, I didn't say I'd like it, but I would, I'd be prepared to do it. Get, get into Ubers and drive around and have conversations with people, uh, start finding people that I could offer some sort of service to, 
to bring in some cash while I then figured out my next move. So I, I, I love that yours is just a bit more, you know what, I'm happy to just bum around on the couch for a bit while I look for deals. I think I'm happy to say that because my current reality is if I do nothing, I still get paid. Yes. There was, if there was $0 in my bank account, I may approach that differently. Uh, it would be a good test. Maybe we could do that if this show does well enough. We can fly to India with $0 in our account and see if we can survive. Maybe not third world country. <laughs> maybe maybe developed maybe developed a country that, that that might end up badly. But but you get the idea, right? Like it's so much of this is attached to our current reality, our yes. current egos. And for the for the listener who's listening to this, uh, you know, consider what would that be for you? I think part of this comes back to like a you know what is your present reality and why? And if you're not right now living the life that you want to be living, why not? You and I, Carl, we've done a lot of personal development. We've done the Tim Ferriss lifestyle design. We've really put our effort into designing the lives that we want. And for some people, when they're confronted with that or we share that, they might be thinking to themselves, oh, well, I can't have that uh, because of family or because of this belief or because of that or because I'm in this debt or because I've got this thing there. And so I understand, like, you know, to the listener, if stuff is like coming up for you, or if you're thinking, gee, listen to these fucking smug guys, uh, you know, like, don't they have it awesome? And it's like, yeah, well, we do have it awesome. Like we've, yeah. we've worked for this. We have worked for awesome. We've ate shit. We've, we've like, we've eaten the glass. We've chewed we've on that. glass. We've done, yeah, we've, yeah. Done, we've, we've done, we've done that. that. The point, the point here is that, you know, everyone has the opportunity to design the life that they want. And if you're finding yourself often fantasizing about, oh, I, you know, if I'd started differently, I would have done this, or I wish I was doing that, or I wish I had this, di- this other different business, really reflect on that and ask, well, you know, why aren't you doing that now? Is there something that you are saying to yourself that does not give you permission to do that now? And it's something that I've found I've gotten clearer and clearer on as I've been on a journey of uh, meditation. You know, we've done some breath work uh, together while hanging out. That's cool shit as well. Uh, I've gone and studied Tantra, um, you know, with my other kind of spiritual journey type, uh, you know, uh, lessons. And what I've found is the more I connect to myself, the more I get clear on what's actually important for Pete. And it was in a meditation three years ago where I manifested uh, I want to live somewhere warmer than Sydney. Uh, I want my business to be completely, completely location independent. And I want to live that life and I want to live a, a life that's designed by me. Uh, when I got really, really, really clear on that for myself, it took some time to actually architect that and make that happen. Uh, I then moved the pieces into place to bring that into my life. And, and so just so we're clear on what you're kind of saying here, because I 100% agree in, in, in on the lifestyle design things. And so you're saying if you were starting again from scratch, you would still have lifestyle design as a really important aspect when you started again. Is that what you're telling me? I think so. I'm, I'm just predicting, knowing what I know now and knowing who I am now, I would likely be basing where I go and what I do very highly on my values and what's important to me rather than a survival instinct. Mm. And, you know, that's just kind of made me remember and think about this this shift that I went through about four or five years ago. And that was when, you know, I've been doing like professional therapy for years and years and years and unwinding myself, um, you know, with a, a therapist. What I found was as the business grew and I started to kind of look back, I started to understand, well, oh, wow, why did I work so feverishly to build wealth and to build a business? 
And the question that I answered about myself was I was in survival mode. Mm-hmm. I was in this mode of like, oh, I've got to build money, build wealth, build self-sustaining you know, income uh, as a way of feeling safe for myself. And a, and a big part of that was like, well, no one's going to tell me what to do and blah, 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 and all that other stuff, right? About three, four years ago, I got to this point of like see, really seeing that in myself. And I went, oh, wow, holy shit. That was how I was operating previously. Now I'm safe. I've got all my basic needs. You know, that like threshold of $80,000 a year or whatever it is, right? Now I've got all my basic needs sorted. I'm actually safe and I'm actually okay. What's life about now? And that shift of over a number of years, it's like when people say, you know, when you sell your business or you make it and then, you know, people get depressed and they have all these challenges with adjusting to a new paradigm of having enough money in the bank that they're safe and they have everything that they need. I saw it coming and I prepared for it and it was like this gentle 18 months of growth and realization. But the interesting thing was I gave myself permission to do more about what's important for Pete Mm. uh, and less about what do I need to do to like feel safe. And it's like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, kind of like if you're not feeling safe on the bottom level, you will just feverishly, feverishly work. So I, I guess what I'm wondering though, are you are you still saying, because I, I, I'm exactly the same situation, right? Like I, I got past that need of safe. For me, it was all about significance though. It wasn't about safety. My early days of business and why I did anything was I can see now was all about striving for significance and feeling important. And when I was able to shed that as well as then realize that, hey, you know what? I could shut down my business and I'd still be okay financially. That had that like level of safety and going, well, what's the point of it all? But when we take this thought experiment of we have to start again from scratch, I know that I would lose that level of safety, right? If I'm starting again from scratch, I'm assuming all of that's gone. So are you saying that when you go back to start from scratch, that need you don't believe that that need for safety would kick back in and you do that, you'd still be just like, cool, I'm just going to keep doing it as I do. I feel like I feel like I have changed. Yeah, right. I feel I feel like I am more okay as Peter without the externalizations of bank account or anything else. Now, it's going to hurt going through that. That's that's much easier said than done, right? There is absolutely ego deaths that are on the menu there uh, that are are going to happen. But I think I would feel much better about it. I think the key thing is that I have the context and that I I awakened in myself and I understood uh, the journey of my past and I have that context now. So I can see, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I'm feeling like I need to make some money now, but I don't think it would be that subconscious, unhealthy, stress-led pushing of I must do this and the, the reptilian brain of there's a tiger coming to get me if I don't make this money. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I, I get the there's a different space of coming from that, right? Like it's... It's it's being able to go, okay, well, like I'm doing this just because it's the next steps to do, not because stress is telling me I'm, you know, in a pain right now and I have to get out of that pain. It's just like, okay, this is the reality. This is where I am. And okay, I want to change my reality. Where do I want to go from here? And then what are the steps I need to do to get there? Yeah, it's interesting. So you've done a lot of work with like Tony Robbins, you know, state changes, all of these kind of things. And I, I feel like I have less tools I'm curious for the listener who's listening right now, you know, maybe fantasizing about, oh, what would ego death look like for me? Or what would starting again look like for me? Or, you know, what, or if I'm here right now and I want to get to there, um, which is, you know, what my, my dream life is in my, my architected life. Like, do you have any tools that, or frameworks that you could share that you think might be useful? The number one thing, and I, I talk about this in, in my book, Becoming Bulletproof, but the number one thing is like, Realizing that everything is perfect as it is right now. 
Like where, where does like where does that stress come from? It comes from suffering. Where does suffering come from? It comes from believing that everything as it is right now should be different. That the way things are right now, it should be different, right? There's a difference between pain and, and suffering. Pain is often a physical thing. Yes, it could be emotional pain, but often that emotional pain is just suffering. It is stories we're telling ourselves. And so the the number one tool is is learning to be able to question the stories you're telling yourself, to be able to realize that the mind, right, what's going on up there is firstly get a, a separation between you and your mind, right? You are not the mind. The mind is not you, right? And so when you can grasp and truly understand that the, every thought the mind has doesn't mean it's true. Just because the mind offered you a thought does not make it true. And that might sound really obvious. You might be like, yeah, of course. But have you actually contemplated that? Because I would hallucinate that your thoughts today, you had every, every thought you had today, you most likely bought into every single one of them. You never went and said, oh, no, that's not true. Maybe you did a couple, like you'd question it. But pretty well, every thought you had, it was like, yep, yeah, of course. You, you, you didn't go, oh, that's an interesting thought might be true, it might not be. So one of the most powerful tools you can have is as soon as you hold any kind of belief. So the belief that I couldn't get into an Uber and start driving an Uber, right? Like that might be a belief I hold, a story I hold to be true. But then if I go, you know what? I could never get into an Uber and swap time for money again. Is that true? I'm like, oh yeah, of course it is. Do I really know that that's true? No. And so instantly, the some of the power in that thought disappears because I'm no longer going just because I had the thought it's true. And that's one of the most powerful things you can do. I believe that I guess it is the, the death of it. When you can truly start to realize that the thoughts you have are bullshit, every single thought you have is bullshit, and then you ultimately decide which ones you want to believe or not, that is the death of all egos. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. You will. It's challenging and you have to have processes and go through. A really great process to go through is uh, if you go to thework.com, Byron Katie, she's got worksheets called Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet. Um, and you can, you can go, or if you've got an, uh, a phone, she's got an app called The Work, and you can basically question a belief. So any thought you're having, you can then question that. You can, she guides you through these question processes where you can start to engage whether that thought or not is true. And that to me is one of the most powerful. Like, yeah, look, you can do state changes, you can get yourself upbeat, you can vision your goals, you can do all of those things. But to me, most of those are just kind of, as a, as, a, as a friend and mentor of mine said, rearranging the deck chairs. Most of us, when we are getting help and most personal development help, and I say this from someone who's been through not all of it, but a high proportion of what's available out there, most of what is taught is just rearranging the deck chairs. That's what it is, right? You, you never actually really dealt with it. You never threw any of the chairs off the side of the boat. Like you just rearranged them and moved them around. And I believe that when you can truly start to comprehend that the world we live in and the thoughts we have are not true, and I choose what is true in any given moment, instantly all of those deck chairs are up for grabs to be thrown away, kept. And just because you throw it away doesn't mean the waves might not send it back onto the deck and you've got to, you've got to you know, rearrange or throw it away again. This is an amazing analogy. <laughs> you just have, but you've got them there and you you think about it and you, you bring it back up and you go, okay, is this is this true? Is this useful? Does this serve me? And it kind of goes back to then, I guess, that lifestyle design. And like, 
it's to me, there's no question that once I, once I started again, I would build a new life that I love. However, what I also know is in that moment where, where others might look and go, your life sucks, I would be able to go, I love my life. And, I'm, and I don't say that from a like easy standpoint. I'm not saying that I would easily get to that point. I would, I would have my emotional outbursts. I would have my emotional moments. I would have my like, oh my God, my life sucks moments. But when I get through those, with either friends' supports or from my own, I would all of a sudden start going, hold on a second. Is that true? Do I really know that that's true? Can I absolutely be sure that it's true? Who would I be without that thought? And I can start to then choose to throw that one away and come back to presence and come back to this is who I am. And, And when you can truly, truly love the moment, truly love that everything in this moment right now is absolutely perfect. Here's the thing that has been the most challenging for me to wrap my head around is when the moment is when everything is perfect, what drives you to want to change anything about your life? And this this has been a journey that I've been on in more very recent months of figuring that out. And I wouldn't say I have it super strong to be able to share with you, but I, I can share with you what I've come to so far. Firstly, just because you love this moment doesn't mean that you might not want to have a new and improved moment, right? Doesn't it, you, It's just about not judging the moment you're in to be bad, right? And not label it that way. You just go, okay, this is how it is. This is amazing. This is beautiful. This is serving me. This is fantastic. Okay. But what would I like to maybe see different? The other thing that's really interesting though, is where does the other part of suffering come from? It, we talked about suffering comes from believing things should be different than they are right now. Other type of suffering I see a lot of people have, apart from feeling like their life is wrong, is, is wrong in this moment, is they attach to a goal. They set themselves a goal and that goal becomes, it has to be that way. That's where I'm going. And if, if you don't feel like you're there fast enough, you don't feel like you're on track to get there at all, you feel depressed, you feel sad, you suffer. You have emotional turmoil. Maybe you even have physical turmoil because of that. Maybe you get physically ill, right? You get dis-ease. And so, realizing that everything's great, I have an intention of where I'd like to go, but accept that life is a journey. If you can truly grasp those things, and it's going to be hard just in one podcast episode for you to grasp that, but if you can, if you choose to practice, and it is a practice, if you truly can take that on, I believe that you be the reason I t- wrote my book and I called it Becoming Bulletproof is literally for that. I know that with the journey I've been through, that I can survive and thrive in any situation, right? I become bulletproof. And it doesn't mean that. I still don't get hurt. It just means that I can instantly be like Superman and walk through and just I'm good in this moment. And um, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I think is is super important. And then your business can collapse on you. You can start again from scratch. You can have a big divorce. You can lose your limbs. You can have all sorts of things happen to you that would be horrible. And if you can truly practice those types of uh, living and being, you, people will look at you with just disbelief of like how you haven't meltdown and you'll just take it in your stride. So, uh, I don't even remember the original question. I kind of got a bit randy on that, but uh, I'm super passionate covered, about that. You've covered a lot. I've got a couple of things to summarize there. I think one key takeaway is, you know, the stories we tell ourselves is fairy tales and we get to choose what those fairy tales are. And so, it's up to us to, you know, believe what we want to believe. Like we can tell ourselves our own lies. They can be good lies. They can be bad lies. They can be, they can be whatever. And then I think, they're all lies. <laughs> and then I think the the discomfort of your present state is is the tension between the lie you're telling yourself about the future that you want and the lie you're telling yourself that that's different to this present moment. All, if all there is is the present moment, then there can be no tension. So if you're feeling that tension, it's because you're actually living kind of in the future uh, and that's not there. 
I think it's probably time to wrap this one, Carl. Uh, All right. That was a, uh, a quite a journey, this episode. We've gone through ego deaths. We've gone through values. We've gone through shifting mind states. We've gone through, uh, you know, how you can, you know, really take what you know now and apply it to your life. Take what you know in the present moment and, you know, apply and make changes and have ripples and waves go through to the rest of your life. So hopefully that's been interesting. To I, you I'd, like to, I'd like to like end it though on making sure we have truly delivered on the promise of this episode, right? Of what would we do if we were starting again? And I think that ultimately what my biggest takeaway for you on this would be get over yourself and just start selling something. <laughs> That's what I would do. Sell something, right? You're back at zero. I would sell something. My time, someone else's time. It doesn't matter. I would I'd sell, sell my something. body. Well, that's definitely a service that you can offer. <laughs> uh, but you see, I'd do it once and then I'd get bored. I'd need, I'd need to systemize. You'd have to create a system, a great system, automate, automate uh, your body out of the process. Uh, I think it's a great thought experiment. And uh, to the listener, hopefully you've come along for the journey with us in your own way. I think we've had some really good reflections. Uh, as well and I look forward to exploring these kind of concepts more we've got a lot more to talk about with this kind of stuff so look forward to that in an upcoming episode so just a reminder if you want to check out all of our episodes head along to rising.show you can check out all our socials there please leave us a rating on your podcast uh, consuming device or uh, service of choice and we would love to hear from you. If you love the show, if you'd like to hear more of this, if you have questions, drop them in the comments or drop us a line on any of our socials. And we look forward to catching you in a future episode. See you later. See ya.